Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app today to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you or changed your life, share it with a friend. Because changed lives change lives. My name is Mark. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to be with you today. I want to welcome those joining us online. We're so glad you're with us. Don't be a stranger online. Let our chat host know you're, you're with us. Before we start the sermon today, I want to talk about Honduras. Uh, there's exciting things, amazing things, incredible things happening in Honduras. And so uh, I'm going to invite Rob Alexander. Rob, would you come up? We'll give you a big uh, round of applause for Rob. Rob is our Honduras coordinator, has been for a number of years. If you're new with the Valley, we have helped build six churches in Honduras, plus a pastor training center. Uh, Rob regularly every month is coaching those pastors and encouraging them, troubleshooting with them. Uh, If you've ever seen our wall here on site, it says a 10-year partnership through 2023. And I looked at my calendar the other day, and it's 2023. Um, so I just want to tell you today, we're continuing that partnership. Uh, we're going to continue that. We're going to move 2023 off there, put a new date on there. Uh, and probably four times a year, we're going to give you Honduras updates. Uh, there's a lot going on, a lot of investment here with the Valley. We're seeing God do cru- really cool, amazing things. And on that note, um, I want to highlight one today that is just unreal. I mean, you're going to hear the story that Rob's going to share in a second, and you're going to be like, all right, God is not done. <laughs> He's up to incredible things. So, Rob, what's going on in Honduras? Well, we have seen a lot of things. And, you know, I, people say that the miracles, you know, I, I need to see miracles. They were in the Bible, but we, we, you know, we don't see them in everyday life. Well, we've been seeing them on a regular basis with all that's going on in Honduras. Um, we are in the process of preparing a fire truck to go to Honduras. This is not our first. We had sent one down back in 2019, and it was initiated by two people who don't go to this church, but were part of getting involved with our mission. And a simple phone call between two guys has turned out to be quite a ministry, and God has really blessed through it. And it it has been kind of interesting because, as Mark shared, our ministry is not fire trucks. We aren't into doing fire truck ministry. That's not who we are. But it's been amazing to see how God has used that. And what he has done is, is we have the first truck when it went down, um, it actually was on nationwide television in Honduras. It got before their Congress because it had to be approved to come into the country. And all of a sudden it dawned on to me that, oh, this is it because now the God story is being told throughout that entire country. And that is just really cool when that start, kind of thing starts to happen. Um, about June of 2021, we got a phone call from the guy who had donated the first truck to us, and he said, I'm selling my business, I've got a truck I'm willing to give you, but you got five days, you got to decide if you want it or not. And to be really honest, we had no idea what we were going to do with a second truck. Um, God had helped us the first time find the right place and the right people, but we thought, man, this is a nice gift, it'd be awful hard to turn this down. So uh, the truck you see in the picture is the truck we received. Uh, the last all eight to 12 months, we've been working on it. Um, it's gotten new tires, new batteries. It's had a paint job. Uh, it's been fully serviced and all of that. For instance, the tires were $10,000. It was all donated. The tires were donated. The batteries were donated. The paint, which is very expensive, was donated. All through people that don't necessarily just come to the Valley Church. It's because they get excited about what God's doing through this ministry, and it's been very exciting. Uh, A couple months ago, I got a phone call, and when I get these phone calls and they're from Honduras, I kind of scratch my head like, okay, who is this calling me and why? And this guy, uh, I answer the phone, he says, I'm with the U.S. military in Honduras. And I thought, that can't be good. Um, (laughs) And he said, I got a guy sitting across the desk from me that says you have a fire truck for him. And I said, well, I don't have a fire truck, but yes, we do, and, and yes, we're trying to get it down there. And he said, well, he said, the Air Force has a program called the Denton Program, and we're considering the uh, opportunity to bring your aircraft or bring your fire truck down here uh, on an aircraft uh, at no charge. And, I mean, there's a lot of cost in shipping a truck down by boat, 
let alone the idea that they would actually put this 30-ton vehicle on an aircraft. And, I mean, you could have blown me away with a feather. Uh, the stories that have happened beyond that, I've had phone calls from a guy in Texas who was doing the inspection on the truck, and he's got a brother-in-law who was the former mayor of La Ceiba. La Ceiba is the town in Honduras where this is going. It's about uh, it's several hundred thousand people, and they're going to have a great big celebration in the community and make a big deal on television again so that the God story gets told. Um, just last week, somebody walked up to me here in the church and handed me a check for $5,000. We aren't asking for money to service the truck, but somebody just, because they saw what God was doing, walked up and handed us money. It's just been story after story after story like that where things have been happening. We aren't, it's not like we're out soliciting it. God's driving it. It's all about giving honor and glory to God, and He's answering in a big-time way. It's been really exciting. Yeah, it's unreal. I mean, absolutely unreal uh, what, how God just continues to open up and provide. I don't know, as you were talking, I was like, you know, God spoke through a donkey. He used fingers writing on a wall. Fire truck is not like beyond him to change hearts and change lives. So uh, I just, I wanted to, for Rob to be able to share that today. Probably a lot of you didn't know what all has been going on. I mean, this is unreal. Uh, I mean, I've heard the story a couple times. It never gets old. It does not. It's fun to tell because it's just, it's God moment after God moment after God moment. And we hope to bring it here as soon as we get it finished up and we know when it's getting ready to depart and pray over it before we send it off as a church and uh, you all get a chance to see it. But uh, yeah, it's just exciting. God moment after God moment. Yeah, it's so cool. And that's, that's why we're continuing. I don't know. We don't, we've talked about some ideas what the future of the partnership could look like. We, we're dreaming big on, on what that might look like because there's a lot of people just like here, a lot of people in Honduras who don't know Jesus. And we want to see their lives change. We want to see their family lives change. We want to see generation after generation. And if God wants to use a fire truck to do that, we're like, better believe it. We're on board with that. So, Rob, I just want to thank you for all the time. I mean, all the time, all the energy, all the prayer that goes in. He's leading this in, in exceptionally well, incredibly well. Uh, you all need to get to Honduras at some point, uh, and we'll be talking about Honduras a lot, but we already have the dates on the calendar for the next five years. I exactly. <laughs> so, not that we're planning ahead. <laughs> next five years are set. So, would you again join me in just saying a big thank you for Rob. Rob, thank you. Appreciate it, Well, before I do uh, tackle the sermon, another huge yay God and exciting thing. Uh, we are big at the Valley Church about family ministry. I told you two weeks ago when I preached here that you're going to hear me talk about family ministry a lot. What is family ministry? Family ministry is birth through 12th grade. Uh, birth through 12th grade. They are not the future of the church. They are the church now. Uh, and I don't know if you knew this or not, but 90% of decisions for Jesus, 90% of decisions for Jesus are made by the age of 18. Uh, it would be absolutely cr crazy for us not to lean in and try to reach, and I, I hear, I'll just be honest, here's how I pray, that we would reach every kid in Piqua. Why not? Like, why not? That we would reach every kid. As we get older, we get jaded, we get dinged, we get dented, we get stubborn, whatever, and we see all throughout Scripture that kids, Jesus said, have the faith of a child, be, be childlike with because if we can have them meet Jesus at the age of five, have them meet Jesus at the age of nine, have them meet Jesus at the age of 14, we know, I know, it's going to change their life. It's going to change the decision-making they make going forward. We all probably could stand up, which we won't do, and list off the things that we regret in our lives, <laughs> right? We, and, but how, how about we minimize those? How about we almost eliminate those by reaching those children? And so, I don't know if you know this or not, but the last couple of months, we've been doing a massive refresh in that kid's wing over there. So everything's now painted, fresh paint, things that, you know, for decades had, had not been changed. Now they're changed. It's really exciting, but we're not done. I want to get new flooring in there. Uh, the flooring is, is old. Um, it's, it's been, um, well, it's been shown that there's been a few kids over the, in there over the years. And um, I want to, but I want us as a church to come alongside with this project. You'll see a QR code behind me on the screen. I'll send out an email this week. You could get your phones out and scan it if you want. It takes you, I created a link, just says Valley Kids. And I want us to come alongside as the Valley and, and raise 20, 65 or 70,000 or so or more to get that, the new flooring in there. Uh, environments matter. Uh, my wife and I have already given to it, and, and here's why. Um, I have a nine and a seven-year-old. My wife, Jess, and I have a nine and a seven-year-old. 
They love church. More importantly, they love Jesus. They can't wait to come every Sunday. Uh, the Valley Church is emphasis on kids and family ministry has made a difference in my life. I was with my nine-year-old yesterday for three and a half hours in a car, and he's all boy. So that could be in a very excruciating drive. Three and a half hours, um, you know, restlessness and, and all that stuff. For three and a half hours, we're listening to uh, worship music on my Spotify. Dylan loves worship. He's like, Dad, unstoppable God. Unstop Dad, unstoppable. I mean, we're just, he's just singing, singing or making some type of noise in the, where he's, the, the, the song. I mean, he just, he, he loves Jesus. He loves Jesus. Five plus years ago, he's adopted. He didn't even know about Jesus. Never, really been never told about Jesus. The boy today will go up after church and he'll, 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 he'll do church upstairs. He gets his room all organized and he's singing. It's because of you. It's because we are a church that pours into the next generation and environments matter. I want a place where kids go to and they love it. They can't, and they get, and then here's what happens. The kids come and they love it and they say, mom, you gotta, we gotta go. Dad, we gotta go. And mom and dad are, cause we're older, older and we're stubborn and we're jaded and we're whatever. But my kids loving it. So, and then, well, they gotta get there. What happened, right? And some of you are products of that, right? Your kids started coming and now you're hearing Jesus has met you and your life has been forever changed. Church, we're investing in the next generation. I believe, I, this is how I kind of operate. Troy is right now in the midst of their second expansion in less than five years and both expansions have happened because they've run out of kids' space. That's how I operate. We will, we'll do, we will be so laser being focused on reaching every kid in every, every community that we are that we're gonna outgrow the kids' space. And I always say to the staff there that the kids are gonna run us out of here. Maybe literally, but they're, they're gonna run us out of here. And it always happens. Ran them out of the rec, ran them out of the movie theater. Now they're adding 8,220 square feet just for kids. That's what I expect to do at PICWA in the next year plus. We're going to have so many kids over there that that expansion we've talked about with COVID got in the way and all kinds of other things, we're going to need to expand here because we have no space for kids. And it's just not okay in my book that a kid doesn't get to meet Jesus because we don't have room for them. We're going to create the room. So if you want to give to that, that'd be great. I want us all to come alongside and that will allow us to get the project done sooner than later. And I'm hoping by Thanksgiving they have all new flooring in there. And uh, a lot of their friends that are coming will meet Jesus too. Today is week three of our series entitled New Beginnings. If you missed the last two weeks, I'd encourage you to check them out on our YouTube channel or on our Facebook page or our podcast. Uh, and today, uh, one of the, I have a primary text. We're going to be in Luke 11. But one of the secondary texts is in Ephesians 5, chapters 1 and 2. And I thought, you know, it's fitting after hearing what all God's doing in Honduras to have uh, Sonia come up today, and she's going to read this passage in Scripture uh, in Spanish for us. Uh, it will be on the screen in English, so you actually know what's going on, but uh, she's going to read this in Spanish. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and this is going to be a key passage for today. Good morning. Sed pues imitadores de Dios como hijos amados, y andad en amor como también Cristo nos amó, y se entregó a sí mismo por nosotros, ofrenda y sacrificio a Dios en olor fragante. Thank you so much, Sonia. Thank you. Sonia is awesome. Uh, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I am directionally challenged. Do I have any fellow directionally challenged people out in the audience? Okay, you, we, we all can empathize. Well, there's others of you just not admitting it, okay? Um, I am notorious for forgetting where I parked. Practically every time I go to a store, I come out and I have the question I ask myself, where did I park? See, I'm a guy, and I don't mean to gender stereotype, but I'm a guy, and like when I go to Kroger, when I go to Walmart, I'm going there for like one thing, maybe two. I, I need deodorant. I'm not going in there with a whole list. Now, I'm, if my wife finds out I'm going, I get a text message with a list, but um, I'm going in. I'm laser beamed. I'm going in. I need grapes. I'm hungry for grapes. I'm going in for grapes, I, you know, whatever it might be. And I tend to always be thinking, my mind's always going, and so I park, I go in, I come out, and then I'm like, oh, no. 
So if you see me in a parking lot wandering around aimlessly, just say hi to me, you know, don't, you'll know what I'm doing. So my mind immediately, if, you, if you're like me, the first step is, which entrance did I come in? It's good when there's only two, that narrows it down, and I like fruit, so it's usually, if I'm going on a grocery run, it's usually for fruit, so I'll, I'll go there. I had, a, I had time years ago, I was, uh, had gone to a Baltimore Orioles baseball game. I, I love baseball, and when I used to teach, I was a high school teacher, I coached, coached baseball, and I coached a summer league, and after, when that summer league ended, I would go on a baseball tour, a couple cities, or maybe spend a month, you know, kind of at up friends' houses that live in the cities, go to games. So I went to an Orioles game, it was a day game, uh, I was running a little bit late, and I can't stand missing even one pitch, so I parked the car in a parking garage, I bowled off to the game, I, I get there, great game, had a blast, the game ends, and I'm like, oh no, I don't remember which entrance I came in. <laughs> These are big stadiums, right? And I was like, you know what? I can get out of here. That's going to be pretty easy. I'll find some entrance. But I was like, and then my stomach just dropped. I was like, I have no idea where I parked. I mean, I'm talking. Anyone been there? I, I mean, literally, I'm in a big city. I have no idea. The only thing I could, this was pre-cell phones. This was probably 15. I did, usually now I just take a picture of the street signs, you know, and text them to my wife. Yesterday I was in Illinois for a game. I, I uh, took a, um, the pin, pinned it on the, my, my Maps app and sent it to her, you know. But this was pre-then. And I'm like, the only thing I remember is I parked in a parking garage. You should laugh. That's demoralizing. Like, that's, that is bad. Like, the only, I mean, no joke. And just FYI, in Baltimore, near the stadium, it, just so you know, here's a fun fact, every parking garage looks the same. So that, that was, so I had that moment, this is, I'm not, no exaggeration, I had that moment when I'm just walking, thinking, I'm going to be sleeping on a park bench tonight. Like, I, seriously, I'm, I'm like, I, my stomach's dropped already, I've already, you know, kind of come to the conclusion, it's, I'm going to, it could be a day or two until I find this car. I did. I was like, I started looking at some benches. I'm like, oh, just roll the dice. I guess this is worth. And so I just, now I did, after I did that, I did do the thing that I should do. I did start praying. A couple hours later, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, think how brutal that is. You go to floor, you know, one parking garage, you walk all the level one. Level, I mean, I'm doing this. I don't know, 100% God. At some point, I stumbled upon my car. I mean, you're talking about like the greatest peace you can ever have. I mean, after saying yes to Jesus, that has to be number two. Um, I, I really don't need my phone. I, I use it for phone. I use it for mostly texting. I, I do maybe a couple calls a, of a month, but mostly texting. I, I use the Bible app. I have ESPN because you've got to have ESPN app on your phone. But after that, the only reason I have a smartphone is for the map app. I mean, that's the thing I rely on. I am so directionally challenged. And so... Um, I got thinking about this with week three of this series. Today we're talking about habits, and, and habits and direction kind of go together, and I, I was thinking about when it comes to sharing one's faith. I, I was always told when I gave my life to Jesus that I should share my faith with other people. They said, you have to share your faith. If you, they didn't say it this way, but like, if you don't share your faith, you're like, bad. <laughs> they didn't say I was bad, but like, it was just like, and they were just like, you had to share, and they called it evangelism. You should evangelize, you should share, and they never told me how. You ever maybe relate to that? They're, they're like, you should do this. You should do that. The Bible says you should do this. And I was like, yeah, but, but I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to like, say the wrong thing. I don't want to be like that guy who, like, when everyone walks in the room, they all scatter because here comes that guy who just, like, you know, you bet those people, don't be, hopefully you're not one, right? I mean, where we just get weird about it. I was like, I don't want to be weird. Er, I'm already weird. I don't want to be weird. Er, okay. I, I don't want, I want to actually see people come to know Jesus. I don't want to drive them away. And I just kind of got paralyzed in that for years. I'd be like, I, I know I should, but, and some of you maybe are not saying, I know I should, but you're not, it's not because you don't want to. It's because you don't know how, or you don't even, how do I know that this person is someone I should share my faith with? It was about 10 years ago. Someone shared scripture, a passage of scripture in a way they had never seen it before. They had shared this passage of Scripture in a way that for the first time in my life, I had the direction I needed to know who to share my faith with and then how to do it. So if you're in that stage today where you're like, I don't know, I need a new beginning. I want this new beginning in my life where I want to be bold about the gospel. I want to be bold about what God's done in my life, but I don't know how. You came to the right place today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10 going to follow along. It's on page 1040. 
1,040 of the Bibles on your row. I think we, every row has Bibles now. I was like, we got to get Bibles in here. Kate and I put them all down. So if you want to grab the Bibles in your row, I don't have it on the screen. So if you're waiting for it on the screen, you're going to be waiting a while um, until they type it in. It's a decent-sized passage, so they're not typing it in. So you either need to get the Bibles in your row, get the Bible on your app. If you have the Bible app, I'm going to be in the New International Version. So if you want to read it along in your app in the same translation I'm using, or if you just want to listen, there's absolutely nothing wrong with just listening and letting it soak in as I read it this morning. We're going to be, again, in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Here we go. After this, what is after this? After Jesus got done talking, just got done talking to them what about, about it meant, the cost of following after him. He said, after this, the Lord Jesus appointed 72 others, and he sent them two by two, ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, go, I am sending you out like wolves among, or excuse me, lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a, house, a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we will wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. You're like, okay, what in the world is going on here? Well, that's just simple. You know, Jesus had 72. He had the core of 12. He had the others who were kind of not in the crowd. They were really following him. They were, they were not just wanting to be a part of what he was doing. They were wanting to be part of experiencing and seeing the life change that they had they witnessed in others. He puts them in groups of two. He sends them out. So the mathematicians, how many groups do we have? I heard it, 36, right? Groups of 72, groups of two, we have 36. Did my math right, right? So we have 36 groups, they go out. And he simply says this, <laughs> take nothing with you. <laughs> Don't take, they didn't have a lot of things. They, they, they're like, well, you didn't tell them that, take a book bag. They didn't have book bags, okay? He's like, everything that they could have taken with them, he, they didn't take. He's like, and don't lose focus, continue on. And he goes, I want you to go to a house. I want you to go to a house. I want you to knock on the door. And if they're there and they receive what the message you're talking about, they receive you, I want you to stay there. I want you to heal them. Because remember, he, they were preparing the way. He was going to then come follow up afterwards and share about who, what the kingdom of God looked like and how it functioned and all that kind of stuff. They were to be obedient. And so they get there and he says, if they welcome you in my name, if they receive what you have to say, let them in. And if they don't, make them believe. If they don't, force it on them. Wrong, right? If they don't, some translations say, knock the dust off your sandal, which was a, a, a contextual thing in the first century to say, they're not ready. Don't hang on to it. Let it go and move on. Doesn't that seem so crazy? Like, come on, Jesus. Like, this is a really big deal. They're not ready. You got to force it on them. They're not ready. You have to make them believe. You're not ready. Like, get them 10 Bibles and say, you got to read this. We're going to start a Bible study tomorrow. No. In fact, it's not the first time he did this, by the way. I talked a couple weeks ago about Zacchaeus. Well, Zacchaeus, the antithesis of the Zacchaeus story was the one actually right before then, which is the rich young ruler. Jesus runs into this guy. He's the church guy, this rich young ruler. He's the one who goes to church. He's the one who, who knows the Bible. In fact, it says he followed all, there were 613 laws of the Old Testament. And he's like, I follow that one. I, follow, I mean, it went through all, he's like, 100%, like, unreal. Jesus said to him, then, also, I want you, you need to give what you have to the poor and then follow me. And it says the guy walked away and he was sad. And then it says that Jesus chased him down and said, you have to believe. You can't leave today. You might die tomorrow. I'm being sarcastic. You can look at He didn't do that. It says that Jesus never chased him down. Jesus, let, And I'm like, no, that's not what I was taught. Like, you have to... Right? What's going on here? Two instances, Jesus one time teaches 72 to do this, another time he does it himself. What's going on here? How do I evangelize? That's what Jesus is telling. I want you to go share the good news. I want you to share your faith. 
This was unveiled to me, like I said, probably about 12 years ago in a way I'd never, and it's changed my life. Anyone else want to be changed today? All right, I do. Okay. Anyone else want to get some clarity on direction of how do I know that someone's open to receiving Jesus? How do I know even what to say or kind of move from there? The whole key is in verses five and six. It says that there was a person of peace. There was a person of peace. Now, I like object lessons, and I like to be able to remember things. So here's how I remember person of peace. P-O-P, pop. And I thought, well, if I'm going to talk about pop, I need to bring something that's fitting on the stage. And so I don't have anything else to, you know. I thought, you know, if I actually go to the store this week and get it, I'm like, well, if I'm at a church, the teens are going to have soda, okay? Now, well, so let me back up. I'm from the East Coast, okay? We don't call this pop. What do we call it? So, right, okay. Pop is my grandpa, um, okay. In fact, we also, the thing that you play in at the end of the year, like the NCAA, it's called a tournament, by the way, not a tournament, okay. Because when you say the word tour, do you say the word tur or do you say the word tour, okay. I'm just kidding. That's, but in fact, I had friends of mine in college that taunted me so much about how I said tournament that I gave into peer pressure. I say it as tournament too, so. But I will not cave into peer pressure. This is soda, but for today's purposes, because I love all of us in the Midwest, and I've lived out in the Midwest long enough now, this is pop, okay? So this will remind you. Now, what is a person of peace? Simple, a person of peace is someone who hasn't said yes to Jesus yet. A person of peace is someone who has not said yes to Jesus yet. Now, the first question I want to ask you is, do you have anyone in your life who doesn't know Jesus? Do you have anyone in your life who doesn't know Jesus? Because my experience has been the, the longer people follow Jesus, the less people that they have in their life who don't know Jesus. Because we feel comfortable now with the people at church. We feel comfortable with the people that are in our group. And there's nothing wrong with that. But my experience is that we can become very isolated. We can become very insulated. We can become very insider and so the first question is, do you have anyone in your life who doesn't know Jesus? If you don't, you need to go find them. I'm going to give you, actually, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to give you some ways you can go find them. They're relatives, number one. So do you have any relatives who don't, do you have any coworkers who don't know Jesus? Do you have any neighbors who don't know Jesus? I told our staff going forward, even starting this past week, no location of the Valley Church will ever hold a staff meeting again in the building. We will hold all staff meetings in the community. The biggest offenders of this are the pastors. We are the ones who stay stuck in our offices or stuck in our cubicles or stuck wherever we are, and we're not out reaching people. We're doing a lot of stuff, but we're not reaching people. So last week, the Piqua staff had staff meeting at Bethany Center. This week, we're going to head over to the Chamber of Commerce. The Piqua campus, by the way, you're now members of the Chamber of Commerce. We're going to be at different events in the fall. I'm excited about that. You have to be present in the community to know their names. We're going to go out. We're going to go out. We're going to go out. Um, Troy has been bebopping all over. Sydney is actually in a YMCA, so they're the easiest ones. They're like, we're already in the community all the time. So, but who, who do you know who doesn't know Jesus? Do you go to a supermarket? Have you ever talked to the cashier? Do you go to a restaurant? Have you ever talked to the waiter or waitress? I'm going to come full circle on that in just a little bit. The first one is you and I have to put ourselves out there. The, the first way then after that we know someone's a person of peace is that they like you. These people went to their house, they knocked on the door, and they let them in. There was some level of trust or some level of like, so I want to ask you a question. Do you have someone in your life who doesn't know Jesus and they like you? Now, if you don't have anyone in your life who doesn't like you, here would be my advice. This is free. You need to be nicer, okay? Just be nice. I know you all do, right? You all have some. We have, we have someone in our life who likes us. I even have a few people, okay, uh, who likes us. The second one is this, that they are willing to help you or they're willing to serve you. And the third one is this, how do you know someone's a person of peace? They like you, they're willing to serve you, and then they are open to a things of a spiritual matter. I'll give you an example. If, if you have someone in your life who doesn't know Jesus, they like you, they're willing to help you out with things, but anytime you bring up church or anytime you bring up God, they're like, I don't want to talk about it. Don't you dare talk another word about God. Don't, you, I, don't be praying for me. I don't, that's just, don't be doing 
this is mind-boggling, but based on this scripture, based on how Jesus operated even rich, with the rich young ruler, the reality is, church, they're not ready. They're not a person of peace. You're like, well, I got to They're not ready. It's okay. God's working in their lives. They're not ready. I think a lot of us can remember when we were there, right? We weren't ready for whatever reason. God's pursuing us, but we're too jaded. We're, we're too angry. We're too content with how things are. We're not willing. We're just not ready. When I lived in Michigan, uh, I guess that's like swearing in church. Sorry, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not from, anyhow. So when I, li- when I lived in Michigan, I, I always coached high school baseball. That was, I love baseball, but that was my mission field. I just felt like if I was going to be on staff, but I had to be in the community, and so I used that as my mission field. And to the players, definitely, but it was really more to the coaches. And so uh, one of the assistant coaches, his name was Bill. Bill and I just hit it off. We li- he liked me. Uh, he'd be willing to help me out with anything I needed. Uh, and he was definitely open. I mean, he knew I was a pastor. There'd be times, you know, sometimes dragging the field after practice or just in the dugout. God stuff, God, you know, it just comes up. It's kind of cool how that works. And he was always open. And I was like, what's the next step? I got to figure out something that, you know, to build even more connected with, with Jesus. And so our church was with the kids doing these things on Wednesday nights where they could get different badges. And, and one of the weeks was on sportsmanship. And I thought, you know, this would be perfect. Bill was my person of peace. Who's your person of peace? Who's your person of peace? Who in your life doesn't know Jesus? They like you. They wanna, they're willing to help you out. And they're open to things of a spiritual matter. Bill was my person of peace. So I said to Bill, hey, our church is doing this thing, and it would be so cool if you came in and talked to the kids about sportsmanship. He had never, I don't know if he'd been in a church in decades, uh, maybe for a funeral or a wedding, but I was like, hey, it would be so good. You don't talk about God or anything, but just come in, and you can be, you know, as a coach, and I said, just don't tell him about the game like two weeks ago where he got tossed, you know, for using some choice words, you know, uh, but he, he was, and he was all, he's like, yeah, man, I would love to do that. Bill shows up that night in full uniform, and he brought, like, buckets full of candy. <laughs> and he, pun intended, knocked it out of the park. He was unreal with those kids. Like, they were loving it. He did an incredible job. And did Bill that night cross the line of faith? No. In fact, there was a guy by the name, last name, Engle, E-N-G-L-E. He, uh, yeah, E-N-G-L-E. You can look it up for yourself, the Engle scale. He created this scale. He said, you know, so there, from a minus 10 to, to a plus 10. And he said, every single person in this world is somewhere on the scale. A minus 10 might be someone who's a, you know atheist, like totally antagonistic about anything that's God-related. And then over here, a plus 10 would be um, people in, in Afghanistan who maybe today are going to give their life for Jesus. Like, that's, that's what I would consider a plus 10, that today you would be willing to die for Jesus, or any day, literally able to die, Right? Puts me far away from a plus 10, okay? But we get so focused on, the, he said, Ingle said, we only get focused on the minus, uh, minus one to zero. Got to cross the line of faith. Got to cross the line of faith. Got to say yes to Jesus. And that is huge. Don't get me wrong. That is huge. But his argument was, it's just as big of a deal to go from, a, it's a, or as big of a deal to go from a minus 10 to a minus nine, or to go to a minus six to a minus five. The Bible actually talks about that. It talks about those who plant the seed, those who, who harvest the seed, right? Those who water the seed. And so, that person of peace, you might feel like, well, I haven't led them to Christ yet. Did you move them from a, did, did you, because of your courage and because of your boldness, move them, allow the spirit to move them from a minus three to a minus two? Very few of us went from a minus five to a zero. It's a process. Very few of us after a class line of faith will say, I'm all sold out for Jesus. I mean, I'm still not at the place where I'm willing to die. I'll just be straight up. I'm hoping I'm getting closer to that. I have never been in that situation, I guess, to make that decision, but I want to get to that in my mind, so should it ever happen, that I would be willing in that moment to make that choice. But not there yet. But who in your life? Uh, I, we had um, a friend of mine, this guy I've gotten to know in Troy. His name's Andrew. Andrew um, Andrew's homeless. Uh, Andrew struggles mightily with, with some um, substance uh, addiction, mightily, and that's part of what's led to his housing situation. I don't see Andrew very often. I, can, I actually haven't seen him for about five months now. Uh, he'll, he'll end up, last time I saw him, he'll, he came to the church. Um, 
I was like, man, Andrew, it's great to see you. He, he was looking a little bit better. Um, and I, he said, I said, what do you need? I always keep socks there because, you know, he needs socks a lot of times. So I'm like, anytime I see him, I need some socks, Andrew. Yeah, I need some socks. That time he, I was coming back from a trip. He's like, hey, I, I got some money. I was able to get some money. I, 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 I got a, can you give me a ride to the hotel? Absolutely, Andrew, I can give you a ride to the hotel. I was like, where you been, buddy? You know, and he's like, oh, I've been on the streets in D.C. You know, he's been there for a few months. But, and so he's my person of peace. Andrew likes me. I like Andrew. He's cool. He's a cool dude. I feel, um, I've got the, I, when you hear people's stories, you stop judging, by the way, <laughs> really fast. Andrew has stories of incredible, uh, sad, horrific abuse in his life and, and just a domino effect after domino and, and it led to him self-medicating through meth and some things and, and then just cycled out of control. It could have been me, man, if I would have grown up in that kind of environment he did, right? And so, uh, Andrew's my person of peace, man. He, he likes me. He's willing to, I mean, he, if he could, I mean, he doesn't have a lot to offer, but whatever he could, he, he would. And he is, we talk about Jesus every time we connect. In fact, if you think of Andrew, come, you don't know Andrew, I'm not going to show a picture of Andrew, but uh, if Andrew comes to mind, pray for him. I'm praying for him because I'm, I'm concerned for him. I haven't seen him for, for a handful of months. Uh, I got, uh, one of the things that, you know, when it comes to person of peace, you're like, well, Mark, I don't have anyone that I know. Um, I'm, I'm working on this. I always ask people, what, do you go out to eat? They're like, yeah, we go out to eat. I said, how about you start going out to the same restaurant? You know, most, I don't drink coffee, which don't hold that against me, but most of you, I see you because I meet a lot of people at Starbucks here in Pickwell. You all drink coffee, okay? Um, do you have a, a barista? Who you, did you get to know her name? Did you get to know your waiter's name? And here's one thing my wife and I have, have done for years. When we're out, we'll always say to them, hey, um, you know, we're going to pray for our food because, man, we're so blessed. Um, we do. That's just how I pray. I, always, I, don't, I just thank God for food because I don't know. Anyone have been watching what's happening in Libya? Man, it's made my stomach sick. Like 10,000, 20,000 people from the flooding. Be praying for the people in Libya. There's people every day in this world who don't have food. Every day. Like so, There's going to be kids today who don't get anything to eat. It bothers the daylights out of me. I can't fix it all, but I can pray and thank God for what I have. And I can pray when we pray for the food. We also pray that God would supernaturally, the God who created the manna, that kid today in whatever country, somehow you, God would throw, you know, um, something would fall in their lap. God would supernaturally provide. So I tell the, we tell the waiter or waitress, hey, we're going to pray. We just believe in prayer. Is there anything we can pray for? Church, I've been doing that for a long time. I've never been turned down. Never once people got junk, right? We have junk. In our, people have hurts hanging. I mean, the only time I borderline got turned down was when they, I, I hang out sometimes at the laundromat in Troy by the church because there's a lot of homeless people there and people that just it, that tend to be in tougher life situations, at least at that one. And one time a lady there said, well, she was hesitant and then she's like, would you pray that I win the lottery and get a million bucks? I said, yeah, I will pray that. I, I don't know if that's the best prayer to pray, but I'm going <laughs> to, I told her, I did, I prayed that God would, I'd not pray that necessarily, but I prayed that God would supernaturally provide for her or give her some type of employment or something like that. People are open to that. What if we just became a church where it was known as the people went to the valley, always asked their waiters and baristas and waitresses if they could pray. Wouldn't that be a good thing? I can think of a lot of the worst things to be known as, <laughs> right? So who is that person of peace? There's a, there's a time in Luke, uh, not at Luke, in Acts chapter 8. I'm not going to go there, but you could if you want. Luke, uh, Acts chapter 8, there's a guy by the name of Philip. Philip is, uh, is sold out for Jesus. He's going to do whatever the Spirit tells him to do. And he's supposed to go on a trip somewhere. And he's supposed to go a certain way. There's a quick way to go on that trip. And, and God nudges him and says, no, you go a different route. And he's like, okay, that makes zero sense but I'm going to follow your direction. Remember, I opened up today talking about GPS, about talking about direction. I'm going to follow your direction. I'm going to have a new beginning. I'm going to follow your direction. He goes on this trip. He bumps into this guy sitting in a chariot in the middle of practically nowhere, and the guy's in the chariot, and he's reading uh, the Bible. It would have been scrolls at that time, but he's reading it, and Philip goes up to him and says, hey, what are you, I'm paraphrasing, but what are you doing? The guy's like, oh, I'm reading. What are you reading? And he looks at it. It's from Isaiah. It's a, it's a prophecy. It's a prophecy about this guy by the name of, you can participate, Jesus, okay? And, um, and Philip asked one of those, they always say there's no such thing as a dumb question. Well, I taught for 10 years. There's dumb questions, okay? Um, not dumb people, but there's dumb questions. Um, and so Philip asked him a dumb question. He says, well, do you want me to explain what you're reading? And the guy's like, uh, yeah, yes, I would, please. 
And he then goes on to tell them that what you're reading about is this guy by the name of Jesus, who actually is now here, and, and, and it's the fulfillment of the prophecy, and, it, and Jesus is who he says he was going to be, who the prophet said he was going to be, and lives are being changed. It's absolutely unreal. And in fact, the Bible doesn't say this, but it's clear this is what happened. Philip then talks to him about how his life can be changed, because this eunuch in that moment was a person of peace. And Philip, always being ready, the Bible says always be ready to, for have the word of for the hope that you have, had that word, had his own story, he shares with him, the unit gives his life to Christ, how we know he gives his life to Christ, because the next thing is, he's like, I see water, time to get baptized, which if you haven't got baptized yet, it's time to go public. If you know Jesus, it's time to go public. And, and then the rest of the story is, historians say that's actually what led to the gospel spreading to the continent of Africa, believe it or not. One guy one day, obedient to the Spirit, meets a guy God was already preparing, a person of peace, Philip's obedient, and a whole continent is changed. Never underestimate what God can do in and through you. So who's your person of peace? Who's your person of peace? Who likes you? Who's willing to help you out? Who's willing or open to the things of the spiritual matter. My neighbor's like this. I've been inviting him. He came some before COVID. He likes me. He's willing to, to help me out. His, his way of helping me out is he always gives me a... I, I'm not handy at all. If I hammer a nail straight, it's like a win. Like I cut something out the other day and it was straight and you would have thought like I was going to take Bob Vila's job. I was running around like I was telling my wife, look, it was like a little kid, like, just look at this. And she's like, yeah, patting me on the head. Good job. Okay. Um, you know, <laughs> but... I think he lets me borrow his tools because I have a knack for breaking things. And so every time, like I, his axe, he has a brand new axe, Curtis to me. I've noticed actually he's given me all kinds of better tools. Like he's, he just wants to let me use this like $2,000 piece of equipment. I notice it's aging. I think he's strategic. He's like, if I let him, Mark have this, he's going to break it. He's going to buy me a new one. And so anyhow, but he's my person of peace. He's, he's someone who we talk about fate. We talk about, he's a huge Buckeyes fan. We talk about all that stuff. I want you to hear this too, church. He's not a project. He's a person. This is, these people in my life and the ones I continue to pray for, they're not, pro these are people. These are people I so desperately want to meet, see meet Jesus because he's changed my life. I want to be a church where we are just constantly reaching persons of peace, where we are always looking. You know, I'll tell you a story before we wrap up. This is a story of failure. I totally failed yesterday. We were driving back from the ball game in Illinois. Uh, we were hungry, my son and I. And I said, how about Subway? He's like, Subway sounds great. We go into Subway. I'm tired. He's wanting things on the menu that don't exist. So I'm getting a little frustrated, you know. And, and, and I'm in a hurry. I, I just want to get home. I know I have a long day today. I just want to get... In the moment there, I'm noticing that one of the um, sandwich art, one of the, one of the employees, who, she, I could just tell she was frazzled. I could just tell. I could tell that... And it wasn't just like they, were, they weren't even that busy. I could just tell. You ever been around? You just know something, something inside's not right. Something, and, and she was checking me out. Or check, she was checking us out. No one's checking me out. Okay. <laughs> Strike that, okay? She, she was checking us out at the, at the register, and I just knew that I knew that I knew that something's wrong. And I failed because I was in such a hurry. I wanted to get back in the car. I wanted to get home. And I didn't ask her. I was 10 minutes, I, drew, I was about 10 miles away, and I'm just feeling that nudge. It's, uh, it's gentle, he's gentle, but it's, I missed it. I missed it. I, I, all I had to do was just say, hey, is there anything I can be praying for you? I wasn't going to probably be able to have an hour conversation, but just, is there anything? I missed it. Missed it. I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm not going to let that busyness, hurriedness, all that kind of stuff. Church, someone's counting on you. She didn't know this, but she's probably counting on me to be obedient yesterday, and I was, I was just, I wasn't like God told me to, I just knew, I was in a hurry. I was in a hurry, I was in a hurry, and I let hurriness get in the way of ministry. And a person of peace God put across my path in that moment. Let's not do that. Don't follow my example. Follow what I want to do going forward is to reach as many people. I'll wrap up with this. Well, I have one other thing. Hell's a real place and real people go there. I believe that in the depths of my being. And I can't unpopulate hell. I can't we can't remove people who are there, but we can depopulate it. And we've got to reach persons of peace. We've got to reach people who don't know Jesus. Because look at what happens here later on. It says this. This is so cool. It says this in verse, um, 
verse 17. It says, the 72 returned. The 72 returned with what? Joy. And said, Lord, even the demons submitted to your name. That's what happens when you get to be part of seeing someone say yes to Jesus. When you get to be a part of seeing someone go from a negative three to a negative two. Like you see something move. You are stoked, aren't you? You are stoked. And then this is, I had missed this, that passage. And I missed this in all the years. In verse 21, it says this. At that time, after they had said all this. At that time, Jesus, full of joy. (laughs) At that time, Jesus, what? full of joy, through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. You and I get in, we get to observe here, this is so cool, a moment of the Trinity coming together in verse 21. And the word actually full of joy in the Greek, that's the best they could translate it. It is like inexpressible, indescribable joy. Like, because the kingdom is expanding because what the mission was supposed to be is starting to be fulfilled. Think about that. Every time you and I reach a person of peace, every time you and I invite a person of peace to something, even time you and I invest in, there's joy we have, but there is joy in heaven, this is telling me. It's telling me the Trinity is rejoicing with us. That's so stinking cool. Now, some of you today might have realized that you are the person of peace. <laughs> You're like, whoa, wait a minute here. That's why they're inviting me to this stuff. <laughs> that's why they're promising me lunch after church. That, that's why um, they're trying to say, your kids got to come to this. Your teens have to come. To this. That's why. I want you to hear this loud and clear. I said it just a few minutes ago. You're not a project. You're a person. We don't function that. You're not some project. You're a person. You have a story. But I will tell you, the person who's looking at you as the person of peace loves you. That's why I said the, the whole theme of this, if we throw it up on the screen, the whole theme of this is what Sonia read in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of what? Love. The motivation for us is always or should always be love. Love for God and love for others, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So if you're here today and it's dawned on you, you're like, ah, someone loves me. Ah, that's why. That's why they keep talking to me. That's why they keep inviting me. That's why... How about today's the day that you do turn to Jesus? I just believe every time we gather, there should be opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Why? Because hell's a real place. Real people go there, and we depopulate it. There needs to be an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. So we're going to close in a song in a few minutes, and I'm going to pray before that song. The band will come while I'm praying. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I remember it was the summer before my eighth grade year. I was at a camp, and I never forget, because you just know that you know when you don't know Jesus, and the Spirit's prompting you. My hands started sweating, my body started sweating, my, my heart started racing, and I knew that I knew, because just like I am doing, the, the pastor made an invitation. And I knew at that moment I had a choice, and we all have this choice. C.S. Lewis actually said this about Jesus. He said either, either he's a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's the real deal. And if you don't think he's a liar, and if you don't think he's crazy, then he's the real deal, which means then you gotta do something about him. And you gotta do something with him. And you and I, we do have a choice. God gives us that choice. You can accept him or you can reject him. I pray today that you would accept him. The song uh, that we're going to close with, one we sang earlier, it's called My Testimony. Earlier this week, as I was reading through this passage, I said to Donnie, our worship director, I said, Donnie, uh, man, it'd be so cool if we did My Testimony. Because I was reading in verse 13 or 18. I need to go to the eye doctor, but 18. (laughs) It says, I replied... I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I was like, that song, my testimony starts out with, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Because when God trumps Satan, when this happens, Satan falls. His power falls. His reign falls. And Donnie looked at me and said, oh, we're already singing that song. I was like, well, you can't make that stuff up. And we're going to bring it back. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw Satan fall like lightning as we reach our persons of peace. We're going to sing this song celebratory. 
We're going to sing this song with power. We're going to sing this song with enthusiasm. We're going to sing this song as a declaration, church, that we are going to identify our persons of peace, that we are going to invest, we're going to invite, we're going to look for opportunities. In fact, one of the things I shared last week when I preached at Troy, but this Christmas Eve, and I want you to invite them before Christmas Eve, but this Christmas Eve, all things worked out. We're doing one huge Valley Church Christmas Eve service at the Arbogast Center. Uh, and it's not, and we're, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a couple services probably. And it's not to just be one church and come unified. In fact, I was thinking through all the logistics. I was with the group there on Monday, and, and one of the staff made this comment. She goes, I can just picture all the people who don't know Jesus in the auditorium. And she recalibrated, she didn't even know she did this. She recalibrated me away from all the logistics and all the challenges and all that kind of stuff. That's why we're doing it. So the person of peace after person of peace, that night I'm praying that several thousand people in Miami County and Shelby County come to know Jesus. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, the gift of Christmas, the greatest gift will be received Christmas Eve, the gift of salvation, the presence the next day will kind of feel like a letdown. Today's the day to receive Jesus. Would you stand with me? Father, in this last moments together today, we want to see Satan fall like lightning. We want to see the grip that he has on lives cut loose. And if you're here today, you're watching us online today, you're listening to the podcast even weeks from now, if you don't know Jesus, you know about him, you've heard about him, but you've never experienced his forgiveness, you know you've never experienced it. You've never experienced the release of the chains that your sin and the bondage that you live in and the brokenness that you have. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, if we confess, if we acknowledge, if we agree that he is faithful, if we confess our sins that he is just, and he will, if we confess, he will forgive us our sins, and he will, if we confess, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Cleanse us. Are you ready to be cleansed today? Maybe for the first time, maybe for others of us, it's coming back to him and asking for forgiveness for something from this past week to be cleansed. You can walk out of here new, you can walk out of here healed, you can walk out of here restored. And I pray today that, church, we would have such a passion. We would sing this song with a declaration that we're going to reach people who don't know Jesus, we're going to identify our persons of peace, and we're going to be laser-beam focused on investing in their lives and inviting them to different things so they can meet Jesus, starting with our kids. We pray that in Jesus' name. Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope that this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy this message.